Using captive rideshare passengers to grow the audience. More Creepy Joe and putting garlic where it doesn't belong. More talk about advanced ancient civilizations and chatter about Graham Hancock's latest book, America Before. And we end the show with a talk about John Pica's rant about vintage values on the Diesel Punk podcast. We don't care if they don't like this podcast because we don't make it for stupid people. It's the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week with Jason Cousineau for May 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Eric Renderking Fisk. Stay tuned. Oh, what a, what a week. What what a week. So, so do, you, do we want to just jump right into it? Because the banter between you and me, the pre-show banter is the like the best part of the show that we usually cut. So, because okay. we don't, because guys, I, people, I, here's the craziest thing. Um, I was, uh, I was driving around yesterday and mm-hmm. somebody had asked me, what do I do when I'm not lifting? What am I, what am I doing when I'm not driving for lift? And I told them about the Fedora Chronicles and the podcast that I do. Mm-hmm. And he thought, wow, that's, that's really intriguing. I'm really interested. And I played a couple of minutes of one of our latest podcasts and he had said that's absolutely totally amazing i don't understand why you guys aren't more famous um <laughs> and uh and he was sitting in the back and he's listening and he just, i just subscribed via itunes right i just <laughs> so People who know about our show love our show. And I think that one of our new taglines oh, is the best podcast you're not listening to. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. So a lot of things have a lot of things have changed. Um, and I'm in the process of of editing the sh- <laughs> quote short. I'm saying this short in air quotes because it was only supposed to be a couple of minutes, but you and I wound up talking for an entire hour about Joe Biden and yeah, Joe Biden running. And just it was horrifying in and of itself. Oh, oh, creepy Joe. Oh, yeah. oh, he's sniffing my hair. <laughs> Mommy, why is the man's hands on my cheek? Mommy, why is the dead smelling my hair? Um... <laughs> Holy crap. So, and so much has changed in the past week. Um, I think we just wanted to start the show by saying that I'm turning 50 this July, and that's not news. That's not news in and of itself, but I'm taking my health a lot more seriously because since January, I have been suffering from a serious migraine, at least maybe once every other week. There are three major ones that I've had and what's causing the migraines. And I called my doctor's office and I said, I just want to like schedule an appointment because um, we were out for breakfast. I suddenly came down with a migraine and my wife said that my face turned red and then my entire skin turned red went home, laid down, and I didn't wake up until the next morning. I was like out and I was nauseous for the rest of the weekend. And so I called the doctor's office and I said, I want to just schedule an appointment for maybe Wednesday, Friday. And she says, no, no, you need to get in here like right now, like right now. 
get in here. But at least it's nothing to worry about, right? Right, exactly. So I called Carol, and I Carol was driving into work, and I had said, they want to see me, like, right now. So Carol turned around, and we went in. They took my blood pressure. That's the first thing that they did. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't having a series of mini strokes. My blood pressure is fine. And... Um, That's a little surprising, but cool. Yeah, thank you. I'm not having mini strokes. That's the first thing that they looked at. They wanted to make sure that I'm not having mini strokes. My usual doctor was not there. And we were talking about, I was talking to the the doctor about the symptoms. And, um, you know, doing the pre-check with the nurse, going through. And it was like the doctor came in, not my usual doctor. We didn't talk about any of my past history. We didn't talk about, you know, the 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 um, quasi um, concussions that I had that went untreated for years. Didn't talk about that at all. Because I thought maybe like, oh, my God, like all the times that I was hit in the head or I fell on my head doing crazy mm-hmm. shit, stunts and shit. I thought, oh, it's finally caught up with me. No talk about that at all. Put me on these medications where the next time I have a migraine, take two of these, lay down, call them in the morning. Practically, literally. So You you literally got take these pills and call me in the morning. I literally got that. So in three weeks, I'm going to go see my usual doctor. But one of the first things that they said... One of the first things that I read, because I'm researching, I'm, <laughs> I I should not be self-diagnosing. Well, um, no one should. Nobody should. Um, first things first, if you have these symptoms or if you have any symptoms, first thing to do is go all healthy on your diet. Drink more water. Cut out the caffeine. If you can cut out all caffeine, if you can, by all means, cut out all caffeine. I'm down to one cup of coffee a day. I used to be up to like one cup of coffee an hour. I'm not sure I buy that. You, why are you saying that that's too much? You, are you, or, or are you saying that no, I drink I'm, more than that? I, I, I'm saying that I have a hard time believing you were able to cut down that much caffeine. Yeah, no, it's it's surprising. It's shocking. I actually did. I, good I, for you, man. It's, no, seriously, good for you. It's, it's scary and it's startling. Whereas when the doctor says, no, no, you need to come in now. Like that's like, am I like, am I having a series of mini strokes? So they're going to do some more checks and stuff like that. But I might be, and this is pure speculation on my part, because I've been like just whittling down everything that I've been eating. Fine example, um, uh, I've been cutting out a lot of my, some of my favorite fast foods. A lot of the things that I really enjoy, like I really fucking love <laughs> Burger King Whoppers. I really do, especially... That's not healthy. That's not healthy at all. Um, I also like, you know, um, you know, good medium-sized Dr. Pepper, no ice. I love that. And... Dr. Pepper is nectar of the gods. If you tell me you had to cut out Dr. Pepper, I mean, you may have issues. I will actually ration my caffeine intake so I can have Dr. Pepper later in the day. Okay, you've restored my faith in you. <laughs> but there, because I've been cutting out more and more processed foods. Now, by the way, this is also a shout out to Michelle Densmore from Lucky 13. And she um, has been talking a lot about nutrition and about how modern processed foods is probably killing us. Um, and I've been taking special note 
and I actually have a, a migraine diary. Dear diary, I didn't have a migraine today. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that girl, Carol. She's really adorable. I love the way she wakes up in the morning and she looks so beautiful and refreshed and I get her a cup of coffee. Um, no, so the thing is, is that it's like at some point, you, it's, it's like you ha everybody has one of those moments where you have to t start taking your health seriously. Seriously. Yeah, everyone has that oh shit moment. Yeah, and I had it. That's exactly yeah. what I had. So speaking about your oh shit moment, one of the things that we I thought that we would do, and this is just sort of like a thought experiment mm -hmm. for the Fedora Chronicles. Um, it wasn't until recently that I kind of figured the podcast doesn't have its own group page. Um, we do not have a Facebook group page for the radio show and this show, News of the Week. We have one for the Metaphysical Connection which is mostly for like supernatural conspiracy theories, the stuff like the metaphysical connection is known for, but we really mm -hmm. didn't have a group page for just news items that Jay and I just like talking about. And one of the things so many people tell me is that they just like the way you and I riff on crazy news items. Because <laughs> it's, it's a crazy, strange world we live in. It really is. And it's amazing how so many people actually like the way that our, our, our take on the news. Um, and we have yeah. a lot of news stories to it says get a lot about the general mental health of the United States. It really does. Or at least the mental health yes. of our audience. Well, yeah. So we probably shouldn't be insulting the audience though. No, I think, I, I, I think, I think our audience, I think our audience has extraordinary good taste. And I think that they have restored my faith in humanity. Um, so one of the things I really wanted to just sort of cover here is we're, we're going to keep the metaphysical connection group page open for just paranormal, supernatural space news and the Fedora Chronicles radio show news of the week group page is just for news items that we think are interesting. And okay. the more... <laughs> And and the thing is, I don't know if one is going to eclipse the other. I don't know what's going to happen if we're going to merge the two or keep them separate. I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, but obviously, if you just go to Facebook, it's uh, seriously, it's so easy. It's so easy. A Lyft driver can do it. Just go <laughs> to Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash all one word, Fedora Chronicles News, and 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 there it is. And there's also going to be a link on our main page um, for for both the Metaphysical Connection and uh, the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Now, there are so many great news items that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, start off, let's start off fresh. And this is a news item that I posted on April 27th. Um, this is from Oprah Mag, the magazine from Oprah Winfrey. Here's oh the headline, and I'm, let's see if I can read this without laughing, Jay. No, oh boy. no, putting garlic in your vagina will not cure a yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> and and putting broccoli. You know, I like garlic, but and I like pussy. But, you know, I'm, I've never never quite thought of mixing the two, actually. 
I wonder if you could you cure hemorrhoids by putting broccoli up your anus? Um, I'm gonna guess no, because you know <laughs> hemorrhoids are like a lump, and now I'm not. Now I can't eat broccoli anymore. You're welcome. <laughs> You sick bastard. <laughs> do people actually do that, though? I mean, seriously. Hey, uh, when they the... say things like that, was I, I'm having a hard time imagining an intelligent thinking person, male or female, going, you know, I bet if you put some garlic up there, that'll fix that right up. <laughs> I mean, I mean in... And then that other person going, hey, yeah, that, that's a great idea. I should give it a shot. I mean, obviously, it must have started as a prank. Well, you, I, I would think, right? Yeah. Um, and here's here's a conversation that I have with a lot of people in regards to the, par- the paranormal. I um, agree. It's paranormal to be shoving something like that up your pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> there are people who believe strange things. They believe... <sighs> Somebody, this, somebody, it's not enough that I believe it or you believe it. Like crop circles. Like, yeah, crop circles are real, but we can have an argument or a discussion, a conversation, a heated debate about what what is causing crop circles. Is it, I mean, obviously some of them are fake, some of them are hoaxes, mm-hmm. but the 10% of the crop circles that are not hoaxes or man-made, what's making them? What's creating them? What's behind those crop circles? And then a lot of people had a... Yeah. A, be, yeah. Okay. But there are some people who seem to think it's extraterrestrials or it's Gia, the the spirit of, of, of the planet or something trying to communicate to us. We can ha- have a discussion. There are people who passionately believe, passionately believe that those are aliens. And okay, that's your belief. That's okay. It's when you start going down these, like, like I have to make you believe that those are created by extraterrestrials that's where things get weird and get off the hook there there are people who believe in holistic cures for things like cancer or treatment for uh cancer symptoms well Uh, yeah yeah. and see this is where you get into things like the anti-vaxxer crowd Right. right i mean healthcare professionals have a genuine concern and bear in mind I'm dating a healthcare professional. Right. They have a genuine concern about these people not taking any vaccinations and now we're going to bring back things like smallpox. Yeah. You know, and with the current political climate, if they claim that it's a strongly held enough belief, medical professionals cannot force them to go against strongly held religious beliefs. Yeah. And with the, the the way the political climate is going, it is very possible that someone can claim that they believe like, that they are against vaccinations with a religious fervor. So then medical professionals would be prevented from giving people the treatments that they need in right. order to survive because they believe that there's no need for it. 
you know it's like okay so your ass is gonna die yeah um there's a part of me that thinks that's darwin at work right you know but, but you but, know what do i know i'm just a about, schmuck who talks on the radio or yeah internet interwebs a podcast, something like that. A podcast yeah on the podcast yeah you know so it's it just it worries me because vaccinations are the way modern man has actually fucking survived for the past couple of centuries yeah if it wasn't for vaccinations our dumbasses would be dead a couple hundred times over oh yeah there's a lot of things that are going on in the realm of science science has solved a lot of problems science has also created a lot of problems let's call it what it is um yeah. And there are some th- there are some things about vaccinations, that, and we've talked about our concerns about vaccinations. Perfect example is some of the things that they use for um, preservatives, um, and we should be concerned about that. We should have a conversation about um, the scheduling of vaccinations and whether or not um, we should be vaccinating kids. Are we kids. too aggressive? Are we too aggressive? Are we over vaccinating? Yeah. That is a valid concern right. and a valid discussion. But then you've got people like Jenny McCarthy, who isn't she known for taking her clothes off? Oh yeah. I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes that's, that's what we've heard. So, I mean, it's, <sighs> but, but here's There's the thing. A, um, she's a celebrity and because she's a celebrity, she must be doing something right. And I say that facetiously. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there are certain people that are celebrities that I don't want to take their advice. You know, I'm not going to take marital advice from pretty much any celebrity that I've ever read about. I mean, perfect example. You should not be taking marital advice from somebody like, let's say, Britney Spears or Brad Pitt or God God bless her, Elizabeth Taylor when she was alive. Unless, unless they start... A, their declarative sentence with don't make the same mistake I made. Right. That's the only time right. you should listen to their advice. Here, I, I, another prime example. I was talking to somebody um, about the fact that my wife and I are celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary this month. And, Which is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And the guy I was talking to, an, an elderly black gentleman, was telling me about, hey, do you want to know the real secrets to a long, healthy marriage? And he proceeded to tell me to do everything that I learned not to do. Okay? Um, Like he said, don't ever cook for a woman because a cooking, women cooking is how they get satisfaction in their life. Women feel satisfied and fulfilled when they cook and clean for their man. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> You said elderly, right? Yes. And he and he's and he also said, don't even bother trying because women are stupid, they're dumb, and, and they don't know what makes them happy. Wow. So don't even try. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, my wife is probably one of the smartest thing, smartest people I know. And she knows what makes her happy and she knows what makes her mad. You know why, Jason? Because she tells why? me, Eric, this upsets me. <laughs> when you do this, this makes me mad. Like when she picks up one of my socks 
that's laying on the floor that my our dog Jasper grabbed and ran downstairs with and started chewing on on the floor and then he leaves it when he get when and my yeah. wife picks up yeah. my sock your dog Jasper did that yeah okay. <laughs> oh. <All right. laughs> my wife will tell me this makes me mad you know why because that makes her mad oh so I so I think that it's like you're I mean I I love the elder generation I really do but some of their uh Firmly held beliefs, shall we say, are just downright fucking archaic. Yeah, they are. Which reminds me, before we close the show, we got to talk. We got. We have to talk about John Pica and one of his latest episodes of the of um, Tales from the Flip Side, his podcast. And one of the things that he mentioned, he actually mentioned us. And I want to reciprocate by talking about something that he had mentioned on an earlier show of his. Um, okay. Don't let me forget. Um, so I think so yes, sir. reading all of this, one thing I have determined and in the scientific community is 100% certain on this, putting cloves of garlic in your hoo-ha will not cure a yeast infection. It might, it, it might be fun. It might sound like a great way to start the evening or end the evening, but do not put garlic in your vagina. That's a public service <sighs> announcement for the, the Fedora Chronicles Network. Because <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> we're a firm believer in keeping the hoo-ha clean. Right, exactly. Which brings us to another point. Um, oh. Mark Wahlberg thinks that celebrities need to shut up about politics. And we're looking at you, Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> I inter I interjected that part about we're we're looking at yeah. you, Jenny McCarthy. I think Paul. I I I, well, I think that I think that celebrities are probably ruining their career by talking about politics. I might be wrong. Well, uh, <laughs> go for right. it. So here's my here's my issue with this. Yep, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah doesn't exactly have a good track record no the guy is the guy has been caught on numerous very racist rants yep um this is a guy who um yeah he's there's a lot of conservatives who he's a conservative media darling because you know he's pro-military because yeah. he finally pulled this out of his ass and while making a movie about marcus luttrell he finally Got it, shall we right. say. Yep. Um but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's smart. That doesn't mean he can speak intelligently right. about other things. It's the same thing as um Jenny McCarthy yeah. talking about vaccinations. Yeah. What authority, what studies can she cite? Because all of these anti-vaxxers all cite the same study, which has been refuted by professionals. It was never peer-reviewed. Right. And it's been refuted by medical professionals dozens of times. Mm -hmm. All of the conclusions he comes to are demonstrably false. Now, the one thing I have seen medical professionals admit to is he does – what he's done has – is brought up some very valid concerns about how much we are vaccinating. Right. Are we 
over vaccinating, that may he may have a valid point there. But that doesn't mean don't vaccinate. That means really kind of talk to your medical professional about I want to reduce the vaccinations for my children as much as I can without endangering their lives. Yeah. And that's just not what Jenny McCarthy is espousing. And I mean, I got nothing against Jenny McCarthy, but at the same time, she's not someone I want to take advice from about something as important as whether my children are going to survive infancy. I think you just proved his point. I think that you just basically have just addressed the issue that a lot of us are dealing with here. Take any actor, any, any actor at all, um, right off the top of the head. Um, God bless him, Roger Moore, um, who passed away two years ago this month. Mm -hmm. If you want, if you want to take lessons from somebody on how to remain calm, cool, collective, and suave in difficult situations. Roger Moore was your guy. But if you want to talk, if you want to have lessons on astrophysics, um, the nature of Neil deGrasse Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson is your guy. Um, I don't think you want to be going to Neil deGrasse Tyson and talking about putting clover up your vagina. I I mean, I, he's not your guy. Right now, to be completely honest, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the first one who will tell you, why are you asking me about this? This is not something in which I know this is outside of my field of study. And I give him mega props for that because it's very tempting for anyone, whether they're a celebrity or not, to use their platform to push whatever thing they're passionate about onto the people who listen to them. Yeah. Now, this is something that I actually think Oprah Winfrey has kind of figured out, really, is that, you know, she can, like, she made Dr. Oz famous, right? right? But she doesn't push any real crackpot ideas on anybody, at least not that I've heard in the last 15 years, which is admirable. Yeah. You know, I mean, she has got a huge platform. Right. That she could abuse very badly if she wanted to. And she doesn't. She has taken the better the path of better discretion and said, look, this is I want to only do things that are going to help people. Right. Which apparently means we have to remind people not to shove food products up their vajayjays. Va- <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's just horrifying to have to say that out loud like that. Speak to a medical professional before you do anything stupid. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, it's, but if you listen to a celebrity speak about any topic that you're passionate about um and that person starts espousing a political view that goes a, a, a directly against your political views there are those of us i can't you can't watch that performer and and still take that person seriously or you can't look at that performer or listen to that performer the same way ever again like fine example, some um, a radio host was talking about how Evil Knievel 
ruined his celebrity status when this radio host was a kid because Evil Knievel was talking crap about Jews and how Jews are horrible and Jews are taking over the world. And that radio host said ever since then, he was heartbroken because he because he's a Jew and it broke his heart knowing that Evil Knievel hated him because he was a Jew. I, I You're yeah. asking for trouble. <clears throat> I mean, if you're... Seriously, if, you're, if your career is based on people loving you, anything you say that makes someone that might make someone not love you anymore is just a dumb thing to do. Yeah. So don't do it. Don't talk about politics all the time. Unless, of course, you have a, a podcast about politics. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a certain amount of hubris that's involved here, right? Yeah. On, on our end. Right. If we're, if we're being completely honest, we there's a certain amount of ego involved in us thinking that our opinions are going to matter to anybody but we're a couple of cocky assholes and we admit that oh so, yeah i mean there's at least we're realistic about it right <laughs> i mean there is i mean and but we also do this with a bit of self-deprecating humor right you know and we don't expect anyone to just take our word for anything that's why there are links at the bottom of every podcast. Yeah. You know, we're not saying we have all the answers far from it. We're saying, look, this is fucking weird, man. Tech, check it out. Yeah. You know, so it's, I can understand where um, a celebrity just because of human nature will think they have this built in audience that's going to listen to everything they say. So they're going to say whatever the hell they feel like. Right. You know, and they also, a lot of celebrities have entourages who sure. basically exist just to tell them, yeah, you're fucking right, dude. You're fucking right. You know, and that's that's basically their job is to make the celebrity feel good about themselves. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you get in these echo chambers. And this is something sure. that, um, to kind of delve into politics a little bit, this is something that you and I... I don't want to say we rail against, but one of the things that we that we despise is the political echo chamber yeah. that is created online. Because now people are not talking to each other or giving each other or considering each other's opinions to be valid. Mm -hmm. And that is detrimental to any form of democracy. If you can't talk to your neighbor and take what they say seriously, how are you going to have any form of of informed political discussion with them you're just not because they disagree with you does not mean that they do that they're an idiot because they disagree with you does not mean they don't have a point they do gun control people do have a point yeah and i'm very pro-gun and the fact of the matter remains is that there's a lot of people fucking dying because of guns. What can we do to stop it? You know, that is where the discussion gets interesting, at least for me, because I want to hear the ideas. Right. I am all for no one else having to attend the funeral of a child ever again because that child was shot by a gun. Exactly. Nothing would make me happier in the world. That doesn't mean I have to not enjoy something that I enjoy, though. Right. So as long as we're willing to approach that discussion with the understanding that whatever you do to limit some idiot's access to guns or evil-minded or um, 
a criminal's access to guns, any legislation you create is automatically not going to apply because they're criminals. Criminals break exactly. laws. That's why we call them criminals. That is the very definition of a criminal is one who breaks the law. Yep. You know, so you get these celebrities out there and they get these these sycophants, these yes men in their lives through their entourage. And they're like, you know, dude, you're so fucking smart. And it's like, mm, I kind of assume I'm, in, I'm the village idiot yeah. in most parts of discussions. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the safe way to go in most cases because there's always, always someone smarter. Yeah. I, hey, I, I went on a rant. No, I mean that's what that's what happens. That's what we do. I mean, you usually go off on a on a tangent, and that's we're good for a couple of hours just talking, you know, with you and your your um your you know because the thing is, is like we start talking about things, and next thing you know, we're we're talking about putting um, garlic in your vagina. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing is, is that the best way for a celebrity a performer to alienate their audiences take a stand on an issue that does not involve that's not in their wheelhouse um and it's like yeah. am i am i am i saying that somebody somebody like katie perry there are some things that katie perry should never never talk about like um how to handle teenagers. I would argue that there's a lot of things Katy Perry should never talk about. There are a lot of things that Katy Perry should never talk about. There are some things that maybe I should never talk about. Um, in the sense that it's like, I'm not an expert on certain certain things. I don't know anything about NASCAR. Don't ever ask me about anything about NASCAR. I have no idea who the drivers are. I mean, and I can only imagine that the reason why they call it like the Indianapolis 500 is because they go around the track 500 times. I don't know. I, I don't and know. And it's in Indianapolis. And it's I in, thought yeah. that's what it was. Maybe. But the thing is that it's like just because you're a celebrity, and I've noticed this so many times, just because you are an expert in a specific field or because you're successful in a certain, does not mean that you're an expert on everything. Right. And I think Mark Wahlberg has a point. I think some people should be quiet. Well, it's like, and I, I could get in trouble for this and alienate half the audience. And if I do, I'm, I apologize for that. But the truth of the matter is Bill Nye, the science guy, is a mechanical engineer. Sure. He is not a climatologist. He is not a climate change expert. Yes, he understands the scientific process. Well, theoretically. So, I mean, according to the Big Bang Theory, mechanical engineering is not really science i'm just i'm just saying just throwing that out there. <laughs> i've never watched that but, show oh you haven't no i haven't yeah, one of the main characters is a mechanical engineer who his designs were part of like the mars lander and all this other kind of stuff yep and he's keep he keeps getting shit on by the other guys because they're physicists and he's just a mechanical engineer yeah that's mean but anyway it is. It really is. But it's also fucking funny as hell. So, um, and that is literally, Bill Nye the science guy is quite literally Wallowitz on the Big Bang Theory. And that's not going to mean anything to anyone unless they watch the Big yeah. Bang Theory. But my point is that when he talks about climate change, he's using his, he's using the gravitas he has in other areas of science to imply that he knows or understands more 
than previous than other people in other areas of science. And that's just not true. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I respect a great deal because I've seen interviews and read interviews and heard interviews with him where he's been asked about things and he will say, well, I don't study that. That's not my area of expertise. And I can give you my opinion, but that is not my area of expertise. So at least he's throwing out there, look, I'm just as I'm just another schmuck when it comes to this particular topic. You know what I mean? So I, I give him a lot of props for that because to be a celebrity and in an interview and have someone ask you about something, it's gotta be really tempting to just say, Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen to this shit. <laughs> exactly. So speaking about some serious shit here, one mm-hmm. of the issues, and this is something that keeps showing up in my uh, mailbag or my my Google alerts, uh, 60 doctors, pharmacists charged in largest U.S. Opioid, opioid prescription bust. I keep reading news about people who are in the pharmaceutical companies being nailed with... Um, and what I mean nailed. Oh, I mean, yeah. They got a CEO the other day, didn't they? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, we haven't, and I hate the word opioid, but that's the word that they use. Because, and my, um, wife, my wife said there's a difference between opioids and opiates. Apparently, yes. opioid is a synthetic opiate. I might be oversimplifying yes. it. Um, and I can actually, I can actually feel the pan flying across, <laughs> across the room and hitting me in the back of the head sometime in the future when Carol might hear this. Um, and I'm, and I'm being facetious. She doesn't always hit me in the back of the head, um, with, with, with frying pans. She does, she does get angry with me when, um, I'm wrong. And I don't, and I say something just like a celebrity that is, um, <laughs> that's uh, d- definitive. The definitive thing that I should be saying is I'm not sure why they call them opioids because, but from what I understand, and I might be wrong, like I said earlier, opioid is a synthetic opiate. There you go. And apparently the pharmaceutical companies lied to us about the addictive properties of opioids and they've been making money hand over fist via other people's addictions to these opioids and the reason why heroin is such an epidemic in the western world is because when addicts are cut off of opioids or opioids become too expensive, they switch to heroin because it's cheaper and faster. And there's a case to be made. It's a lot more dangerous, too. It's a lot more dangerous. There's a lot of people out there who are making the case that the reason why we have such a horrible heroin epidemic now is because of the opioid crisis that was created by these pharmaceutical companies. What do we say to this? When I first started dating... My girlfriend, who's an ICU nurse, one of the questions I asked her is, what kind of people do you normally see? And and she went through this long list. And apparently, every once in a while, they'll get someone in who is an addict that they treat. And 
it intrigues me that someone can be an addict and as part of their treatment, they go to the fucking ICU. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting to me. Um, I'm not going to claim to understand. I mean, with HIPAA laws, all that other kind of stuff, she doesn't really, she can't go into any details. And oh, of course, she just is the kind of person she's not going to anyway, because that's just not the right thing to do. So, um, so I don't know what sort of treatments they get or anything like that. But I do know that the that if you have a serious enough addiction to an opioid, you actually have to go to an ICU. Mm-hmm. It's like an inpatient treatment kind of thing. Now, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know if they inject you full of something that, where it breaks your addiction. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But if you're in the ICU, that's pretty serious shit. That's. I mean, ICU is intensive care unit. Yeah. That means that there are people literally getting paid to watch over you to make sure you're doing things like breathing mm-hmm. and your heart is beating. That's what they're making sure of. That just kills me that it things can get that serious with an addiction. Um, it's horrifying Yeah, that people do this to themselves because they really do. No one has ever been sat down and force fed opioids until they get addicted right at least not that i'm aware of outside of certain movies yep and maybe a few podcasts so sure you know it's just it's just not something that happens so things like these drug addictions and the opioid crisis i mean and and this is where we kind of blend topics a little bit right right because we over medicate as a society vaccinations is part of our over medicating but the opioids is another part of it. How much discomfort should we be alleviating, alleviating in people and putting them at risk of opioids? Now, I have shingles on the back of my right eye. And for years, I was having episodes of just intense, intense pain. Mm-hmm. And the doctor gave me Um, a prescription for a painkiller. And he said, now this is an opioid. He said, so you do not want to take this regularly. This is something where if it's, if you can feel an attack coming on, you take this. He said, it's going to take a good 15, 20 minutes for it to kick in. Yeah. But the first time I took it, dude, I swear to heaven, my lips crawled off my face and walked up on the wall and told me what an idiot I was. It was, it was, I, I have never been so high in my entire life. I've not taken it since then. It scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I'm paranoid about being addicted to something like that. Um, but at the same time, that's extreme pain. I mean, if you look up, <laughs> if you look up um, shingles on the eye, the only word they ever use to describe the pain is excruciating. Yeah. I've been in pain before, and I can honestly say this is the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. But now we wonder about people who, I wonder personally about people who are taking these things for stuff like, um, you know, oh, I had surgery on my knee. Well, I'm sure that hurts, but does right. that, is that like, you know, 10 pound sledgehammer kind of hurt? Or is that like fucking 14 megaton bomb kind of painkiller hurt? Yeah. You know? And pain is a difficult thing for science to get a hold of because it's so subjective. The same people have 
different thresholds of pain, right? Right. right? Different people have different thresholds to pain and the same person handles certain kinds of pain better than others. So I think there's a lot of just suck it up and deal with it that we as a society have to start recognizing we have to do. Yeah. And, you know, our efforts to escape any form of discomfort, both emotional and physical, it's just got to go out the wayside, man. We got to throw that shit out. We've got to re- recognize that if we want to truly have a good society, you can't sit in an echo chamber on the fucking internet and talk to people only to people who agree with you. No. You know, if you don't want to have children who have birth defects because not because of one vaccination they're receiving, but because they're receiving a battery of vaccinations and depending on their genetics with this combination of battery of vaccinations, there is a possibility that if the dice roll the wrong way, they're going to end up with some sort of issue in their life. And if we want to avoid that, we've got to put up with a certain amount of physical discomfort. Yeah, There's something we've got to get used to there. I heard that the Mongols used to, um, when they're babies were born the first thing they did was cut their cheek with a sword because their children had to learn how to deal with pain before they could get the good things in life so before they had mother's milk or anything they got cut by a sword yeah and that does that seem tells me two things the mongols are fucking psychotic but yeah. also they were some tough bastards i mean yeah that and that is that is tough I mean that's yeah. that's a and that's a hard thing to sort of wrap your your brain around. I don't even know if that's true or not. Um, there's no discernment, as far as I can see, and this is an issue that keeps coming up over and over and over again on this podcast. People believe the Earth is flat and we never went to the moon because these idiots watched a poorly made video that has a convincing argument for them. And it, it never bothered for them to go and look at other other research. Yeah. Why why would anybody why would anybody want to conspire against science and facts about the shape of the earth? Yeah, but as as we've mentioned previously on this on this podcast the great thing about conspiracies is that the motivations as to why don't matter. What does the government get from perpetuating a myth that we went to the moon? I'm not saying that they are perpetuating a myth, but if they are, why? What benefit do they get from it? Because in order for that to be a myth, our political opponents of old, the Russians, have to be in collusion with us and if even if we get something out of it what do the russians get out of admitting that they lost the space race how does that possibly benefit them and also while i'm thinking of it that's something that tells you how much the world has changed because the russians were honorable enough to and honest enough to admit oh fuck those are crazy americans have have yeah beat us to the moon yeah you know what i mean nowadays I'm pretty sure if we held the space race nowadays, we could have people landing on the moon, like showing off, shooting off fucking fireworks from the moon that everyone on earth can see. And the Russians would be going, it's all a lie. They're using holograms. It's exactly. not real. And people would believe that. Yeah. The only way that I, the you only know? way that you can convince these people 
that something actually happened, like like we landed on the moon, is to take their asses to the moon and show them this is the moon. Yeah. Here we are. We're at the moon. But there's not enough people who are being able to look at things and and discern whether or not something is true or not. And and that gets whether it's vaccinations, whether it's the whether or not the shape of the earth, whether or not we landed on the moon, people will believe in anything. And then it's that same mindset. I'm afraid it's the same mindset when the same people cannot handle pain. Um, one of the most painful experiences the second most painful experience that I ever had in my life was my vasectomy. It's not a very comfortable thing to talk about. It, 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 it honestly was extraordinarily painful. The second most painful thing that I've ever experienced in my life. And when I was on the, when I was taking the Vicodin, I started to mm -hmm. panic when I looked into the bottle and there was only two pills left. What do I do after these two pills? And I realized, why am I taking these pills? I don't really sort of feel, I don't feel like I have to have them anymore. But it was, well, that's, it was the perfect that, I mean, hijack. That's kind of proven two points here, right? Um, yeah. First of all, kudos to you for recognizing that, hey, I'm really not in pain anymore. Yeah. A lot of people just, they get so afraid of the pain that they're willing to, you know, they, they, it, there's some, something of a placebo effect there. They want to take the pills. So they pretend they're still in pain kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so kudos to you for that, but also yeah. my vasectomy was not painful at all. Cause it's and one of the things, one of the things that the urologist told me before he gave me the vasectomy is he said, everyone wants to know how much it's going to hurt. He said, and I can't answer that because right. the truth is it all depends on you. It depends a part in part on your physiology. It depends in part on your, the way your brain works, it depends in part on how you define pain at, for yourself and what is too much pain. He's yeah. like, so I cannot answer that. And that's the one question everyone wants answered. Yeah. Sorry, my phone's blowing up. No, that's freaking work. Anyway. You freaking work. I stupid work. Got to pay stupid bills and be in a fucking adult. <sighs> yeah. Um. So the, the so the I think the the enormous problem that we are facing with all of these issues is we just we just believe people just believe stuff on the internet and don't even bother to do their own research. I I mean I looked at I the news item that we just talked about about these people being arrested. Um. And I and I did some more research. This is all over the news. So many neighborhoods or neighborhood news organizations are talking about this because this has affected so many places around the country like big cities small towns this has affected almost everybody to some way shape or form and i think that this is i think that this is just the beginning one of the and the other thing that i looked at here is that people are starting to ask questions like, do they purposely make these drugs addictive so the pharmaceutical companies can rake in billions? And that's a conspiracy theory, and I admit that. But there is the question. The question remains. Uh, did they make this drug as addictive as possible for profits? Another news item that I wanted to get to here 
and this is over at the Metaphysical Connection page here. Um, switching gears here, NASA reviews plans to defend Earth from deadly strikes, asks SpaceX to help it smash into an asteroid. There's another news item that I had read about how there's yet another asteroid um, that's going to be making a very close flyby, and it is actually going to be closer. It's going to be it's going to be closer to the Earth than many of our um, uh, deep space satellites or high orbit satellites. Um, I think they said the the year is going to be. I think I think I read um, twenty thirty two, and we keep reading these stories over and over and over again, and they're becoming more and more frequent. And this here's another fine conspiracy. This is right out of a movie, just like maybe Armageddon or or Deep That Impact from twenty some odd years ago. Um, we keep hearing about the need for a, a an uh, an asteroid defense program. So the, yeah. the $10,000 question is, is that do they know something or is this just, hey, we're just going to prepare for it because people like Neil deGrasse Tyson say this is a genuine threat? Well, first of all, asteroid attack, asteroid impacts are genuinely a threat. Mm -hmm. Every major extinction event under current scientific understanding is attributable to some sort of impact with the Earth. Yeah. That basically blew shit up and caused essentially a nuclear winter that wiped out a lot of life. So it is a very valid concern that it can do that. Um, it's somewhat ironic that, well, not ironic, but it's somewhat appropriate that our response to that is we got to blow something else up. Yeah. We're running out of enemies um, here on earth. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we got to blow some shit up. Now, this is coming from someone who was the weapons department when I was in the military. So I get it. I get it. Right. I get it. Blowing shit up is cool as hell. I do. I understand that. But instead of doing that, is there maybe perhaps something we can do on Earth more locally that would assist us or stand us in a better stead. Yeah. For example, there's all of those underground cities that they're finding in Europe. Yeah. Now they're saying it's they're saying that it's to ward off against, you know, attacking uh, you know, other tribes that were attacking them. Well, that doesn't seem that doesn't really jive because you're basically letting them do whatever the hell they want with all your shit while you're in hiding yeah, somewhere. It doesn't seem. And there are vast under, underground caves that defy explanation. That's and right. I, I, and if you go to the show page, the show page, we're going to have. Come on, calendar. Wake up. Um. <laughs> I, I love the way how I need something immediately and it's just like, no, F you. Um, <laughs> this is this is this is the news of the week for um, Saturday, May 4th, 2019. And we're going to have links to other websites that talk about the vast underground caves or cave systems or tunnel systems all over Europe. This coincides with Graham Hancock's latest book um and uh i i just bought the book i'm in the process of, of of reading it along with the other book that i promised that i would read who built the moon this one seems a little bit more literally more down to earth 
<laughs> America Before, The Key Events to Earth's Lost Civilization, a new investigation to the mysteries of the human past by best-selling author of Fingerprints of the Gods and Magicians of the Gods, Graham Hancock. I heard him on a couple of other podcasts, including Joe Rogan. It's a two-and-a-half-hour podcast at least, talking about how as our civilization is developing more and more and we're digging deeper and deeper into the ground, we are finding things that are throwing the paradigm of American history and archaeology right out the window. There's more. Well, I just saw a news article the other day saying that the oldest mummy on Earth is actually in Chile. Yeah, yeah. And they're not talking about, and I read the article, and if I remember correctly, they are not talking about those quote-unquote naturally occurring mummies. They're talking about something that was a, a dead body that was mummified intentionally. Yeah. One of the, So one of the things that I was, that I listened to, and I'm, I'm very intrigued by all of this, and listening to Graham Hancock, and I cannot wait to dig deeper into this book, is that the civilization that existed in South America is far older, far more sophisticated than anything that we could have possibly imagined in Egypt and Greece. We know so little about it because as soon as it was abandoned by an event that happened maybe 13,000 years ago, we have no idea what happened, what made these people just up and this, what caused the collapse of this civilization. But as they keep using LIDAR, they are like thinking, okay, we think that we have, we found all of it. We found everything that there is to find. They use LIDAR again and they find another big, huge chunk of this civilization. It's as, it's as if Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., and New York City were suddenly abandoned and everything was overgrown because, I mean, the Amazon River. And it's the perfect climate and situation for something to be overgrown with jungles in just a few short thousand years. Yeah. And the sad thing about deforestation is they, they keep finding stuff. As, as they're deforesting huge swaths of land in South America. They're finding more and more uh, temples and, 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 and large buildings that, are, that defy explanation. Who built this stuff? Who, who did this? Who created this? And um, the paradigm is actually starting to shift where more and more scientists are actually, well, according to Graham Hancock, According to Grant Hancock, more and more scientists are looking at a theory that 20 or 30 years ago was laughable. Um, and the idea... Well, I actually, I actually saw a, um, a video about this where the archaeological community is running into issues with other sciences. Yeah. Like, um, to, to, because we're talking about Graham Hancock, the Sphinx, right? Mm-hmm. Geologists are telling archaeologists, you're wrong about the Sphinx. It's much older. Yeah. Because it existed when the Sahara was getting regular rainfall. This is erosion caused by rainfall, not wind. 
Yeah. And the archaeologists are telling them, no, no, we've dated this. We know what it is. And geologists are saying, um, no, you don't. When it comes to something like how rock is affected by erosion, I'm going to take a geologist's word for it. We're getting back into the thing we were talking about earlier about people who are experts in one area are claiming expertise in another. Okay, well, just because you dated a tool next to the Sphinx doesn't mean the Sphinx is as old as the tool. You can infer that, but that is not equate to a fact. That is to the best of your knowledge. And when a geologist tells you, no, there was regular rain here that caused this sort of erosion, which means this has to be X thousands of years old and you have the date wrong, archaeologists should say, well, shit, we got to figure this out. Yep. But they're not because, again, it's that human nature thing. Um, the thing that I find fascinating is, again, this is kind of my old saw, um, ring the bell because I'm going to say we know the archaeological community in the United States pushed by the, the Smithsonian Institute literally had as a policy to eliminate or denigrate anything that proved that the Native Americans were anything other than half-naked savages yeah. running around. And yet they're finding sites like Kohikia, which are which is a metropolis that was one of the largest cities in the world in its contemporary time. Yeah. And its contemporary time frame is some pretty major fucking cities. It's larger than London. It's as large now as London yeah. is large then as London is now. Yep. They're finding cities um, in in Central America, they're finding cities with LIDAR, like you mentioned. And it's like, imagine New York, Chicago, L.A., and Springfield, Massachusetts, all got buried under, under the jungle and were hidden from sight. And we found Springfield and thought, Springfield, Massachusetts is this great mecca of society. Well, guess what? They just found Chicago because it's bigger and it's more organized and it's so many more of a magnitude more impactful to its contemporary society yep so there is within archaeology there's a lot of self-evaluation going on where they're actually saying they're actually looking at it and saying well what does this mean you know the oldest mummy in the world is is was found in south america for fuck's sake what does this mean were humans actually here went now were humans here that long ago because that mummy is older than the land bridge yeah. the bearing land bridge which we are told is a fact and you every once in a while will hear archaeologists say it's a theory because they don't know yeah so it's it's fascinating to me that archaeology is actually getting to the point now because of people like graham hancock and that geologist guy out of harvard i forget mm -hmm. what the hell his name is shock or something like that um, who are just presenting evidence, a mountain of evidence saying, how can you say that you know? I thought science was about uh, trying to understand what you don't know right. and rewriting everything when you get new information. Why are you denying this new information? Yeah. So that's a tough, I, I that's find a tough that question. interesting. What's no, that? That is, that, is, that is a tough question. Like, wh like, why are we looking at this? Why are we not taking, like, it's seriously. Why is it that we have the paradigm? And I, and I know what we're. I know what we're talking about. I know that we're sort of talking around in, in you know, um, 
we're talking about this in circles again. We've asked this question over and over again. Why is it that we have a paradigm that we are so hell-bent on protecting? And the entire thing is, is that it, people have made a career. People do, people do not want their lives work thrown away because we found some new evidence um, that makes them look like fools. And it's a, little, a whole thing about confirmation bias. People want to be able yeah. to, you know, I want, I want only evidence that proves my preconceived notions to be correct. That's what I do. And there are times when I, when I'll write an article for the Fedora Chronicles, here's my, here's my thesis. Here's what I'm trying to say about um, why so-and-so would make for a horrible president. And I will go out and I will find articles that will help me support the article. And I, I really don't want to write a paragraph that will address this other issue that will proves otherwise that this person might make it for a great president. Um, but if I'm honest and if I'm if if I'm intellectually honest, I will address that issue. Um, and there are so many times when I I've read articles about what's going on here in new hampshire and it was just like i i don't know where this person got this information because i was actually there at that event or i know those people and i know that thing did not happen or they're purposefully misrepresenting and it, when you address it to a letter to the editor or you go to that author's or that reporter's facebook page and you say dude you got it wrong that's not what these people are about i know these people you're ignored or you're mocked for being silly or stupid yeah, because you you don't buy into their paradigm. You you do not buy into their mindset or their preconceived notions. This could be probably one of the biggest. Um, this could be one of the biggest discoveries in all of archaeology. This could be one of the most astounding, life changing event. Um, if the scientific community will just accept the fact there are things that are buried in the jungles of South America that we don't understand and human civilization it was far older and far more advanced than we originally thought. And if they just came out and said there was another civilization here and this is scary. This is terrifying. When I first read Phil Copen's book um, Ancient Civilization Enigma um, when he, when I read this book and I put, and, I, and when I finished it and I put it down, it's, it, it, it's terrifying. The idea that there was a civilization far more advanced here on earth and it was wiped out and we don't know what wiped that out. Somebody who is far more intelligent than us, far more sophisticated than we originally thought. Their civilization was completely wiped out by some catastrophic event that happened about 13,000 years ago. And we're just like, okay, you know, hey, I got, hey, you know, okay, everybody, let's get in the car. Let's go watch a, uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, the Super Bowl is going to be on this weekend. Uh, you know, we got to, you know, it's... It, just I, avert your eyes. You don't want to look at this at this fact or, 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 or these facts that are leading to a conclusion that says we were all wiped out before and something horrible could happen and we can all be wiped out again. Um, 
I think that the, I think that that is probably going to be one of the biggest paradigm changes, paradigm shifts in the 21st century. Um, and it, and I totally admit this, Jay. It is scary and it is terrifying. Um, but and I think that we're seeing more and more news, people acknowledging the fact that we have we need to be more concerned about asteroids hitting the Earth again um, and take this threat seriously. I think that that's I think that has a make it or break it. Um, problem for us to face as a civilization but i mean again i might be wrong there may be more 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 research that i need to go and find and dig up and see what does it say about this issue but am i am i wrong when i say that there are am i wrong saying that there seems to be more news stories about taking the threat of an asteroid strike more seriously no i don't think so i think you're right i think it's also somewhat horrifying to contemplate really on both extremes because it is. I mean, this is something that we literally have no control over. We don't even have we don't have enough destructive power to eliminate an asteroid large enough to wipe out the entire population mm-hmm. of the Earth. It's like the the super uh, uh, culvert under. Yellowstone. If yellow, Yellowstone is sitting upon a massive lava bed, yep. And if it were to go off in an in one violent explosion, which can do at any time, mm-hmm. if that were to go off, the edge of the crater. Now, I live I live a couple hundred miles from from Yellowstone, and if that were to go off, the crater will end yeah. less than fifty miles from my house. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If that thing were, well, here's the thing, right? If that were to go off, I would be dead within seconds of it exploding. Yeah. You would die within an hour. Oh, yeah. People in China will die within a week. That is a life ending event that can happen. If the, if the caldera underneath Yellowstone were to just boom, that would end human life as we know it because we don't have any way of dealing with that kind of fallout. Exactly. It's literally like a nuclear winter where the sun will get blotted, blocked out of the sky. It'll initiate a new ice age. Um, it'll change the composition of the air temporarily as far as the earth's concerned, but you know, permanent for us because exactly. we can't figure We can't deal with that shit. Exactly. Stuff like that to me, it's not worth worrying about because if it happens, there's nothing I could do to stop it. So why should I worry about it? But could there, is there something that we could do to, to to save ourselves with our current technology no i don't know and, and yeah. that's and that's tough that's a tough call that's like the idea that you can't there's nothing you can't do that's scary yeah that yeah, well it is but i don't know i kind of like the fact that there are things beyond our control i because i look at the i mean hell we've got fucking donald trump as president of the united states and we want to think we want to make decisions that are going to affect the earth on such a grand scale as that i don't know what to, we don't have that intelligence i don't know what to say you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean seriously i mean because 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 we have george because we have donald trump in the white house we're doomed we're do- we're doomed <laughs> we're doomed 20 years from now. We're- no, I don't think it's that. I think it just uh, what I'm saying is less than 20 we, years. Yeah, we as a we as a people. Yeah. Humanity as a people. And I don't care if you're Russian, Chinese, Australian, European, African. I don't give a shit. 
Yeah. You're all human. We're all human. Right. And the truth of the matter is we as a race are a bunch of assholes. We really are. We are. You know, we need to realize that and recognize that. Can we get better? God, I hope so. I hope we have enough time to get better. But the truth of the matter is, with nuclear weapons, we have bombs capable of altering the face of the Earth. Oh, yeah. Previous to the nuclear explosion, the only way we could alter the face of the Earth is through long-term hard labor. Yeah. There is the largest open, well, the largest in the United States, open-faced mine, less than 100 miles from my house uh, to the south. And it's literally forming a hole where there used to be a mountain. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that in a thousand years, civilizations in the future are going to be able to find and say, look, someone did this on purpose. Right. Because the city of Salt Lake, mm -hmm. Salt Lake City is not going to exist in a thousand years. If we don't exist as a society and continually keep it up, everything that's there, the glass, the steel, the concrete, everything that's there is going to get broken up and broken down by the natural yeah. processes of the yeah. earth. The only thing that might stand that might stand as a testament that we once existed would be concrete. Yeah. Because all of the steel rusts, all of the glass is gonna break. Yeah. All of that shit degrades in one way or another, one shape or another. And all that's gonna be left are the rocks. So when we look at things like Obleki Tepe and we see something that's made out of stone and carved out of stone, we think Oh, this is this is the height of what they could do. But then when you look at places like Machu Picchu, where even their stone cutting is something that we cannot accomplish. When they built the Hoover Dam, they made a map of the, what the stars looked like mm -hmm. and embedded that into the concrete of the Hoover Dam. Because there's no guarantee that any language that we speak now will be recognizable in a thousand years. No. But the Hoover Dam will still be standing. We theoretically. hope. Yeah. Theoretically. 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 Although, thing, hey, you know, things happen. Yeah. We have. And we, that's just it. Yeah. We, we have very little of permanence we can do to affect the earth. Yeah. None of our buildings, you know, everyone says, well, if there was such an advanced civilization, where's the history of it? Okay. Well. Even the embalming that we do on our bodies when we die, that's going to fucking erode over enough time. Oh, sure. Everything. Everything erodes. Everything vanishes. Yeah. You know, there's over no enough time. There's nothing. There's nothing that we're building today that will be here. Yeah. And people are like, well, look at the look at these buildings. Look at these massive buildings to which I say, yeah. Have you ever left a car out in a field yeah. for 20 years? Yeah. Everything eventually everything eventually yeah. is reclaimed by nature and that's the whole thing everything is reclaimed by nature and everything gets everything gets buried over by 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 foliage by um yeah i mean there's a typhoons, reason why storms. there's a reason why it's it's scientifically possible there was a there was a sufficiently advanced technology base civilization at some point in our past and we don't know yeah we have no idea of knowing who they are there actually are geologists now who are saying it is theoretically possible that massive geological shifts can happen in a very 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 oh, short absolutely time frame, as in less than a decade and the story of atlantis sinking in one day and night 
is actually geologically possible. Yeah. Highly unlikely. But it's possible. But geologically possible. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the things that I love that shit. <laughs> I think that that's one, that's one of the things that we need to, we need to actually come back to and talk about talk about this talk about Graham Hancock's book after it's uh, I finished reading it and I'd like to see if we can get him on the podcast. There are uh, a couple of authors. That'd be phenomenal. There's a couple of authors. I'm lining up some authors to get them on the show. Whether it's an interview between you and me, um, or uh. Or I might just, if you're not available, I will probably um, take your questions and I'll probably do it just like a one-on-one interview if you're not available. But I would rather you be available. One of the things I really wanted to talk about here, mm-hmm. um, John Pica is a good friend of ours. Um, John Pica is somebody who I, 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 uh, I love him like a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, cl- I'm closer to John Pica than I am... Um, many members of my of my extended family um uh and i I, and i think you'd i'd i think that you and john would get along famously if i could get you guys together in the same room together even or even if it's just for a podcast i'd like to get get i would would love to i i know john peripherally through you and and things that he's posted on we're facebook friends yeah so i i like i like john what i know of him yeah um he and I have an issue um, that we're one of the issues that we're dealing with, and this is an issue that just keeps cropping up. Back in back on April eighth of this year, he did a podcast, Dumbo Review and Vintage Values Rants, and one of the things that we have talked about a lot is about the concept of. Um, Vintage values. And one of our earliest taglines for the Fedora Chronicles was um, the style and substance of the golden era, meaning the jazz era, 20s, 30s, and 40s. You know, because we love the style and the substance of decades gone by. And there's a reason why that there are those of us vintage aficionados, jazz era retrocentrics, who gravitate towards um that era. That era. Yeah. There's a reason why. Um one of the, I think one of the greatest movies that I saw and I was actually thinking about you when my family and I went to see Avengers Endgame last week. Um I remember when we went out to see Captain America and it uh-huh. was it was a phenomenal motion. It was an entertaining motion picture. I mean, it's not like it's not like Gone to the Wind or Gandhi or anything like that. I mean, uh, to us maybe it is. It was a good. It was a good action adventure movie. And there are those of us who would like to see a return of vintage values, as it were. And a lot, there's been a lot of pushback where people are using the hashtag vintage style, not vintage values. And there's the, there's the thought running through the retrocentric community that a lot of people are into the vintage style, the style aesthetics, the visual aesthetics and the music, a lot of the pop culture, but they're obviously, they're, they're keeping vintage values further than arm's length 
and people say that it's like because they they want to preemptively prevent people from saying that oh you must want to see a return of uh, you know, racism segregation misogyny yeah. sexism those are not values nobody Thank you. nobody yes. that i know <clears throat> nobody that i know within our community sees the negative things aspects of that era and say "Ooh, i want to have that back there's no diesel punk that i know of who wants to see a return of all the things that we regard as not as values but as a failure of morality on a countrywide scale racism was never a value sexism was never a value you are not a moral person if you dislike somebody because of their color or uh, religion or the lack thereof. Yeah. One of the worst things that happened during the 30s and 40s was the rise of fascism in Europe and Asia. Um, If you're talking about Imperial Japan, those are things that we fought to overcome. Those are things that we said, no, I don't like that. I don't like, I want, we're not putting up with that. Now, it took us a while to you know, get our heads straight and say this is a this is a fight that we need to get into after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and after we fought it to win it. The negative aspects of that era those are those are not values. They never were values. They were not. They're not morals. And it's something that it was. Um, there are aspects, the values that we call them vintage values, having pride in yourself having pride in um what you do and what you do for work and you put in an honest day's work for an honest wage that's a that's a vintage value um taking care of your property taking care of your family staying with your spouse through thick and thick for richer for poorer no matter what happens you're going to be there for your friends and you can criticize your country. You can say, what my country is doing is wrong. And this is something that, that's a value. There are people in the 30s and 40s who stood up to sexism, stood up to misogyny. There's a whole suffrage movement. Mm-hmm. And that's a value. Looking at something and saying, you know what? I think women should have the right to vote. Women should, should vote. Women should participate in the democracy. That's something that was overcome during what we consider the jazz era. Um, and there were great strides that were made. And life was not perfect back then. And I would not want to go back to the 30s and 40s and live life as a nonconformist back then. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I lay a lot of the blame, not towards, not towards the people in our community, but the lack of education. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of hubbub about um, blackface and how people are being deplatformed. White cosplayers cosplaying as a as as a black character and and dyeing their skin for the occasion. And those people have been deplatformed. And the argument that I had made is that people don't know how or why that's bad. The history of blackface. Well. The truth is, blackface has become thought of as bad 
But at the time, there was the reason why blackface existed is because at the time, white people were not allowed to perform certain kinds of music. So because clubs would not allow black performers in their in to their clubs, there were certain art forms that were not able to be performed for white audiences, for the mainstream, bigger audiences, yeah. right? So in order for performers to get people to hear that form of music, they would put on blackface and perform that music or those sorts of art for white audiences. And it was a way for the performer to basically tell the audience, this is part of black culture that you are unaware of. It was actually intended by the performers to be an homage yeah, and not be denigrating at all. A perfect Over example, time. Al Jolson. Al Jolson is a fine example. Al Jolson was... Exactly. What he, he thought it was a travesty that these phenomenal performers did not have a larger audience. It was, in his mind, a crime. And him putting on blackface was a way for him to make a statement to the, the places where he performed, the theaters he performed in, to say, you're missing out. This is phenomenal music. And yeah, I mean, the original intent behind blackface was to break down barriers. And a lot of people forget that jazz music, first of all, is its, it's roots are not in the churches. No. A lot of people will nowadays have are fond of saying that, but the yeah. truth is, is it came from the fields. It started from blues. Yeah. And the blues started in the fields. Right. It's it is a, a descendant of African music that they performed in the fields. And in blues, a lot of the original blues songs, when they're talking about, oh my baby left me, my baby hates me, all that other kind of stuff, what they're talking about is the master. Yeah. Master's beating them. Mm -hmm. and treating them like shit but they can't say that so they would sing and they would claim it was a woman that was doing them wrong when they're actually talking about the guy with the fucking whip you know and then you and jazz came from that there's a movie coming out called bolden it's about buddy bolden who is a a cornetist which is a basically you can think of it as a kind of a trumpet yeah. um that he really popularized uh what we now think of as delta blues uh, delta jazz music in new orleans and i'm really excited to see the movie it actually yeah. opens tomorrow and i i, I want to see it i to me i want to see that more than i want to see endgame yeah and um the story of buddy bolden is actually pretty sad in a lot of ways um there's a little bit of suffrage in it there's racism a lot of fucking lot of racism in it yeah but people forget that it was the jazz artists of the 30s and the 40s, Frank Sinatra, in fact, yeah. and Dean Martin, that broke down a lot of barriers. I mean, when we think of the Rat Pack, really the big three in the Rat Pack are Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And when they were all headliners in Las Vegas, Sammy Davis Jr. had to take the servant's entrance to get in because of the racism that was there. And Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra actually broke down a lot of those barriers they would not perform in certain clubs unless sammy davis could come in through the front fucking door like they do yeah 
and they they actually forced a lot of that. And Sammy Davis Jr. and the three of them would actually they would go into each other's shows and start heckling them from the crowd. <laughs> yeah. And they would pick on each other as they're doing their sets, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of camaraderie there and, and jazz music and a lot of jazz performers, even to some extent, Glenn Miller, um, what's his name there? The, the clarinetist, um, I'm forgetting his name. I want to say it's Al something or other, but anyway, um, they brought in black musicians into their band because these this is a form of music and these are performers who deserve a larger audience and they broke down a lot of those racial barriers and people forget that and blackface was part of that blackface was really kind of the original way for a performer to get on stage perform black music for a white audience and flip off the fucking racists that were in control of the theater yeah. it was a way for them to do that it's, but a, it's just amazing over time yeah. yeah over time it's because because of the way they did the blackface it was in a way also racist as well Ex yeah and it just it depresses me that we think only of the negative of things we right we very rarely do we look at the positives of things yeah when you tell someone that you're a you know that you that you're a retro <laughs> retrocentric you're into jazz music or retrocentric they and like you said they bring up racism and sexism okay well those aren't values why are you looking at the negatives let's look at the positives of the jazz era let's look at you know when everyone every man wore a suit and a tie and if they didn't wear a tie they were at least wearing like a suit coat and a button-up shirt they took pride in themselves even if they were destitute there were certain things they were not going to do because that's not what a what a yeah. good man does that's not what a good person does and those are the things that we don't the common average person does not associate with that era there's also the aspect of people tend to forget that in the 30s and 40s especially during the war effort a lot of strides were made to put an end to inst institutional sexism meaning women were not allowed at certain workplaces or certain fields of study Women were not allowed to hold certain offices. And yeah. during that those eras when, like especially during World War II, where people said, you know what? No, no, women do have a place. Women do have a place on the factory floor. Women do have, if, if, you, if a woman is talented and she excels in her field, she should be allowed to go as far as she can go and help the effort to put an end to, to Nazism and fascism. There's a lot of, right. and there's a, there's a lot of things that we can look back at that era and be proud of. And there's a lot of things that we can look at and say, we're ashamed of Jim Crow laws. We're ashamed right. of segre segregation. We're ashamed of the way that we treated people of different religions like the Jews. And we could also look at the people who stood up and said, no, we're not tolerating this anymore. That's a value. Yep. People standing up and saying, I'm not going to put up with this. I don't care if it's, quote, the law. I don't care if you say this is what, quote, moral people do. No, it's awful and it's disgusting. Conformity, you know, everybody has to, you know, 
everybody has to have the right haircut and everybody has to, ha you know, make sure everybody's clean shaven, no beards, no mustaches, unless you're over the age of 45. Everybody has to drive the right car, live in the right house, eat the right food, watch the right TV programs, go to the right events. That's bullshit. And people made an effort, starting as far back as then, to put an end of it. And there was a, there was a hiccup in the 50s where people tried to reassert yeah, you know, and people, I said, we're not putting up with this. We're not doing this. Um, and the, listen to John's take on it on his podcast. Just go to dieselpunkpodcast.com. It's his April 8th episode. Give it a listen. Um, there, mm -hmm. I think that there's some, there was something wrong with his audio quality. There's some, some popping going on. I think, I think that there was something wrong with his compressor, but it's worth a listen. Everything John does is worth a listen. Go check it out and tell us what you think. And I got a beeping noise all of a sudden. I think it's the NSA saying oh, that. Oh, that was my phone. I th oh, no, I th that was my phone. I thought it was the NSA telling us that our time is up. So. <laughs> no, the, when the NSA tells you your time's up, it's usually through a knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Well, one, thing that, yep. one thing that I've been really proud of is... Uh, I'm I'm a veteran of the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard was the first service to fully integrate um, both blacks and women. Yeah, into you know the the Navy famously, you know, if you were black in the Navy, you were a cook, and that was it. That was all yep. you could do. You couldn't do any of the other things. Um, the Coast Guard broke down a lot of that. In fact, Alex Haley, the the man who wrote the movie, or uh, the book Roots, which they made now two mini series about, it was a Coast Guardsman. Yeah. He was in the Coast Guard, um, and that's something that I've always been I've been proud of. Is yeah. that you know the service I belong to? We broke down a lot of a lot yeah. of those barriers, and the Coast Guard still kind of wears that as a badge of honor, and they still continue to do that. Yeah, and I just I really wanted to make sure I threw that out there because I'm proud of my service. So, yep. So anyway, um, what a great way to end the show, Jay. What a, what a what a phenomenal way to. Is there any other things that you'd like to be able to wrap the wrap up the week with? Is there anything else going on that um, you want to share? No, no, not really. Not at this time. Just uh, be good to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Be excellent to each other. Exactly. And I think that I think that we're, what we're going to do is is that we're going to hold off on any Avengers talk until next week. I want to give everybody another weekend. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, so oh I've, again, shit. my priorities. I want to see Bolden, and then I want to see End, uh, Endgame. Yeah, really. Yeah. All right, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. And um, thank you for another. I'm so glad that I was able to get a hold of you. I was scared for some reason. I thought something had happened to either one of us. So. <laughs> All right. No. No. We're all still here. All right. All right. Whether that's good or bad. All right. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection by subscribing to the Fedora Chronicles Network on Twitter through at Fedora Chronicle. 
There you will find jazz era counterculture, vintage threads, lost history, conspiracies, the paranormal, and space news. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups, The Metaphysical Connection. Both platforms are great ways to join our growing community, connect with other friends of the show, and find out what's coming up in next week's episode. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.